The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Uh, I am Billy Trice. Got my man Sully today here with me. CBS Sports Podcast, NFL's daily podcast. How you doing, Sully? What's going on, Billy? How you doing? How you liking the hosting chair? Look at you, I, guy. I know. Look at me. I'm <laughs> NFL offseason. You know, they got me out here really working. I'm, oh, wow. I'm in front of the camera today, man. Put, putting that resume together. I like it. <laughs> putting some good film on tape. That's what we do this time of the year. Hey, look. Hey. The, the combine's right around the corner, man. We got a lot of work to do. We just have to know your hand size now. We, we got to figure, <laughs> figure that out. That's going to be a big point of contention as we go through the evaluation process. I'll make sure to get that measurement down. All right. So let's start off. Today we're going to be talking about what each NFL team needs this offseason, whether it's through the draft or through uh, a free agent acquisition. So, Sully, let's start off with the AFC. Who is the first team that we're going to discuss and look at um, on, on what their team needs this season. Well, let's just go in alphabetical order because I'm, I'm not kind of a guy. So let's go with the Baltimore Ravens. I, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting teams that we're going to follow these next few months. Obviously, the big question is going to be what happens with Lamar Jackson, whether or not he remains there on a long-term extension that they come to an agreement on, or if things go awry and then he's traded or, or something along those lines happens. And so the longer we go without any really positive momentum with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens signing a deal, it kind of feels like we might be heading towards a divorce. So obviously that would thrust quarterback to the top of the list of what they need to figure out. But if we say, if we throw that out and we say, okay, let's, let's put Lamar Jackson off to the side. Cause I'm sure we're going to talk about him a bunch during this podcast. I, I think the number one thing is wide receiver. I think that this team is severely lacking talent at that spot. Yes, they have Mark Andrews, who's one of the better receiving tight ends in the NFL. Rashad Bateman was supposed to take that leap last year in the absence of Hollywood Brown, but he got hurt. It just never really materialized. They have good pieces in the backfield with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, but 
if you're Lamar Jackson or any quarterback that goes into this, you need that number one or at least some serviceable wide receivers. So for me, one guy that I think is interesting because I don't think that you're going to be able to – you might be able to draft somebody, but it just doesn't feel like that is an immediate impact type of addition that they could do at that point in the draft. I, I think Jacoby Myers is somebody who I think would be interesting, someone that I've followed here – in New England with the Patriots, he's going to be a free agent. I don't know if the Patriots are going to kind of extend themselves to go after a player like him. I think that he would be somebody who is not necessarily your number one, but a good possession kind of in between the numbers type of receiver that could complement Rashad Bateman, who I think has more of a specialty as a deep guy. So you don't think that they'd be in the running or in the conversation for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins or maybe, you know, Cincinnati lets T Higgins, you know, yeah, I, I think them. DeAndre Hopkins makes a little bit more sense because you, you don't really have to owe him that much money. He's under contract. When, when you go after a guy like T Higgins, you're not only giving up significant assets like a first round pick, you're also signing him to a massive extension. I don't know if, if we're talking about Baltimore extending themselves to sign Lamar Jackson. I don't know how much you're going to start putting in to that side of the ball at wide receiver as well. I think you're maybe better off drafting there or, again, going on that other side of the coin where you get a veteran like DeAndre Hopkins, a little bit lower money, you can keep him for a few years and then kind of make a decision. I don't know if they're in a space financially to just triple down on the offense like they would do if they have Lamar Jackson. Now, if they don't, that frees up a lot more capital to kind of fill things around I thought somebody that might be interesting for them in terms of quarterback would be maybe even Ryan Tannehill we all know that his days are probably numbered in Tennessee because his cap number is just absolutely ridiculous you can clear around 17.8 million dollars if all of a sudden you get a stopgap quarterback like Ryan Tannehill as you kind of build a young guy behind him that would make some sense there but again it's more about Lamar Jackson whether or not they're going to sign him well, do you also think that if they don't sign Lamar Jackson, you know, is this Baltimore Ravens team willing to have, you know, a mini reset type of situation to where, you know, okay, we weren't willing to pay Lamar. We do need a new quarterback. Maybe we unload some of these assets like Humphreys and these guys to get to move up in the draft to get a quarterback that we think can actually be, you know, a franchise changing player for us and be a long term guy. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. I mean, you know, if you're trading Lamar Jackson, you're going to get a lot back. Like it's not like you're going it's not like he's leaving in free agency. You're going to franchise him and you're going to trade him. Like that's what's going to happen if you decide to go down that route. So, I don't know if you're like the Las Vegas Raiders, are you sitting there at number 7 saying, "All right, we'll give you seven multiple other assets to acquire a guy that we need to contend immediately in a super competitive AFC West with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and now Russell Wilson with Sean Payton?" And so if you're Baltimore, all right, the number seven overall pick puts you in that discussion for these quarterbacks. Maybe not Bryce Young, but a Will Levis or something along those lines that kind of gets you in that conversation, C.J. Stroud, what have you. So, yeah, that's a, a route you can go down. But if they're just going off of outside of quarterback, to me it's wide receiver. The Jacoby Myers thing in free agency, I think he's going to command some significant money. But ultimately I think that that's a position that they need to target. All right. Uh, I don't know if I agree with you there with Jacoby Myers. I just don't think he's been consistent enough and can be that big of a game changer with this Ravens team. But, you know, you never know. You know? It depends on the quarterback. Like, if they are – it just depends on how they kind of view it. So, for me, he is put up numbers with 
just a deplorable offense last year. He did so with Cam Newton. You put him with a decent quarterback, I do think that he'll be a productive receiver. I'm not saying he's a number one. I'm saying he's like a 2A, which is still better than what the Baltimore Ravens have at the moment. Yep, that's fair. That's extremely fair. All right, so Sully, move on. What what do we got next? What team are we going to highlight next? Let's go with the Buffalo Bills. You can go a couple of different routes here. I, I think the number one thing that they should do is re-sign Jordan Poyer. I mean, that to me is one of arguably their biggest free agent. This team is ready to go to contend for a Super Bowl. You're not in the business of losing your best players. So when we're talking about their biggest positions of need, this team a year ago, we were saying that there was no flaws. Basically, they're a Super Bowl favorite. Josh Allen, the, the MVP favorite. You don't want to start losing pieces that we consider to be part of a championship core, even though they haven't won one yet. So for me, the number one thing would be Jordan Poyer. I, I guess if they lose him, do you start putting yourself into the Jesse Bates kind of conversation? Now, if you're going to pay Jesse Bates, you might as well pay Jordan Poyer. That would that would be my opinion there. But the big thing for Buffalo is going to be having to clear up salary cap space. That's, that's to me, a, a huge piece to this as they're trying to bring along talent. And if we're looking on the other side of the ball, I think offensive line is interesting too. Left guard could be a spot for them where all of a sudden you need to start going into the draft and, and bringing in talent that way because you're spending a lot of money for Stefan Diggs. You're spending a lot of money for Josh Allen. You're probably going to lose Devin Singletary this year. you, you got to start kind of piling in assets through the draft. And for me, the offensive line, specifically left guard to me, is a spot at the NFL draft where I think they should target a rookie guy. Do you think Naeem Hines and Cook are going to be enough in the Buffalo Bills running game to help them sustain some type of running game next season? Or do you think that they're going to have to, you know, try and find something in the draft or find something in free agency? Because this year's free agency draft for like running backs is very, very, very deep. Josh Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, Miles Sanders, those types of guys are in this pool. So, like, yeah, do you, what, do you, what not, do you think their their angle is? Yeah, I'm just not in the business of spending a ton at that position. We've seen time and time again, you can go into the draft day t- late day two, day three, and find that thumper that can just pile up yards, two, three, four yards a carry, just to kind of whittle down time. That's all this team needs right now. I, I, I would even I would say if you're going to spend assets on like a Josh Jacobs or anybody like that, I think you're much better served re-signing Jordan Poyer or adding to that defensive side of the ball. I mean, this team is – theoretically, you're paying Josh Allen enough that he should be able to mask those mistakes. I think Dalvin uh, – not Dalvin Cook, James Cook should be more productive in year two. I think Naeem Hines is a great receiving back. If you want to add another guy, I think you do that through the draft. I'm not extending myself financially through the salary cap, bringing in anyone that's of significant value, like a Saquon Barkley or or a Josh Jacobs. I wouldn't do anything like that. It sounds great, but if you're going to swing for the fences, I would continue that on the defensive side of the ball like you did last year with Von Miller. Okay, I see that. I see that. That makes sense. Well, let's let's pivot to the Cincinnati Bengals. We kind of talked about T. Higgins. Uh, we kind of talked about Bates a little bit. What is the biggest need for this Cincinnati team to get over the hump? You know, they went to the AFC uh, championship this year. They were a few plays away from making it to a Super Bowl again in back-to-back years. What gets them over the hump and gets them back to that Super Bowl? It's not sexy. I mean, I was talking about offensive line with the Buffalo Bills, and it's I'm doing the same thing here with the Cincinnati Bengals. But I, I think that everybody knows watching this team that they are pretty much set 
around the roster, specifically on offense, except for the offensive line. I mean, if you have a sturdy offensive line any of these last two years, you can make a case that they're hoisting the Lombardi trophy and winning the whole thing. So, yeah, you there's going to be questions about how they're going to approach this offseason because you have to pay Joe Burrow. It's probably going to be a market-setting deal. It's just the way that he's been playing. It's the way these quarterbacks and these contracts go. You have to look a little bit further in the next offseason and say, okay, we're probably also going to have a market-setting deal for a guy like Jamar Chase. So what does that mean for T. Higgins? Even if you move off of T. Higgins, you do have Tyler Boyd. You do have other pieces that I still think that that offense could hum in terms of the passing game. So I don't know if a wide receiver is a move or anything along those lines. To me, I think it's still the offensive line. It always has been. I'm trying to see who Wilson has for them in their spot. I believe it was it was um, I believe it was Broderick Jones out of Georgia, the offensive tackle. So it, you know that's again just a, another guy that I do think that they should bring in. And to me, for them, it's the draft because they're so cheap because those prospects can be blue chip first round guys and you're not paying them for the first, you know significantly for the first 5 years for a Cincinnati team that is you know doing the naming rights to their stadium to save up for their quarterback they have to pay their quarterback they have to pay the wide receiver Jesse Bates is even going to be a free agent you need to kind of cut costs somewhere else and so for me the offensive line is a huge need but that to me is through the draft so for me best offensive tackle available yeah, Wilson actually has Anton Harrison going to Cincinnati uh, with the thir- 30th overall pick uh, out of Oklahoma. So that's who he necessarily thinks that they'll draft at that spot in his latest uh, mock draft. You can find that on CBSSports.com. Uh, make sure you guys tune in for all your draft coverage. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think offensive line is the biggest need for them. I think that's probably the reason why they weren't going to the Super Bowl this year is because – they allow too much pressure on Joe Burrow. And I think that's been an issue for this team for a few years. And if they can figure that out, they can figure the offensive line. They they were better this year than they were last year. But if they can keep trending in an upward motion, they could get back to another Super Bowl. And they may even win an uh, win win their first Super Bowl. So, you know, sky's the limit for the for the for that uh Cincinnati Bengals team. All right, let's move on. Well, uh, what else do you got for me here, Sully? Cleveland Browns, interior defensive line. I mean, you could go a couple of different fronts. Cleveland, it's not in the best cap situation. So, again, this could be a team that addresses that via the via the NFL draft. But also, if you look at free agency, I mean, there, there are a couple of guys that you could point to. I'm going to butcher his last name, but Matt Ioannidis, uh, Ioannidis from, from the commander. He was with the commanders. Now, he, most recently, he was with the Carolina Panthers. Someone who I don't think is going to cost you that much money, but can give you some presence in the middle. That's been a big, you know, thorn in their side. Obviously, you'd like to add another wide receiver to Amari Cooper with Deshaun Watson. But to me, I think the defensive side of the ball, especially when you play in a division that currently has Lamar Jackson, has Joe Burrow, has a Pittsburgh team that I think is on the on the ascend. To me, defense, as you continue to pile up, because we all don't think that Jadavion Clown is going to be for this team much longer. So you're going to need some help along the edge and on the interior of that defensive line. So quickly on that, for me, Cleveland interior defensive line. Okay, okay. Um, I think it's hard to really decipher what this Cleveland Browns team necessarily needs because I think you have to figure out what Deshaun Watson's going to be able to do for this team. You know what I mean? Like, you saw him play this year, and, you know, he looked very rusty in the beginning, but, you know, maybe that last game he kind of found his footing a little bit. But I think 
it's hard for me to really nail down what this team needs. They don't have a first-round pick this year because they got Deshaun Watson. That was part of the Deshaun Watson package. So it's for me, I guess I, I think this Cleveland Browns team just needs Deshaun Watson to to be Deshaun Watson and to be the Deshaun Watson that we saw before, you know, all these allegations and all this thing, all these things stirred up um, a few years ago. Well, the number one thing for them this offseason, I mean, we're talking about personnel and, and fixing the roster and, and all of that, but the number one thing that they need is just a full offseason for Deshaun Watson. It's for him to be in the system, to work with them, to get the reps and be with his teammates and learn this, this, this whole system and shake off that rust. I mean, he looked like a guy who hadn't played football in whatever it was. It was like, you know, 700 days or something crazy like that. So like that to me is the number one thing to get Deshaun Watson comfortable in this offense, because we've seen when he's on the field and when he is healthy, he is arguably a top five quarterback talent wise in the NFL. That's the reason why he got this, unbelievably fully guaranteed deal of 230 some odd million dollars and why the Cleveland Browns are willing to completely reshake their organization to go get this guy. It's, you know, outside of, outside of outside football things aside, he's a talented guy. So yes, that's going to be the number one priority, but you also need to have a capable roster around him. To me, I think that a wide receiver, another wide receiver opposite of Amari Cooper is an interesting thing to take a look at there. But if you're talking about their number one need, I think it's along the defensive line. You know, I, I don't disagree with that. I think a wide receiver would do wonders uh, for that team and, you know, also help Deshaun Watson get back to his his form. Um, I, you know, maybe they move one of their running backs that they have. Probably not Nick Chubb. They most likely keep Nick Chubb. But Kareem Hunt, you know, you package Kareem Hunt. Uh, with something and, and and a few picks, and you may be able to move up late into a round and get a Jackson and Jibba from Ohio State, and that could really change the trajectory of your team. I'll give you one more real quickly because I'm just thinking about it right now, and and you know I don't know what the price would be, would have to you know all this, but just from a fantasy football fun <laughs> storyline, Deshaun Watson in Cleveland pairing himself up, reuniting with DeAndre Hopkins, who we all believe is going to be on the block. That would be something fun, where all of a sudden you have Amari Cooper on one side, DeAndre Hopkins on the other, the Texans boys getting back together. That would be very interesting, and all of a sudden make that AFC North even more competitive when you talk about T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase. Now you have DeAndre Hopkins and Amari Cooper. Even George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. I mean, you go down the <laughs> list, that, that is a one-two wide receiver combo in the division. That, that would be a sight to see. You get me excited for fantasy already. Is we're only in February, Sully. Please relax, chill. I already won my fantasy league this year. I don't. I let me enjoy That's this win. Brag. You just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> just wanted to throw that. In. All right, let's move on, man. What, what else you got for me, Sully? The Denver Broncos. We'll go. We can go quicker on on some of these too, because again, you know, we don't need to get too much into the offensive line. But like, I know, right? <laughs> Russell Wilson sacked a career high fifty five times last year. I think that they already have the pieces in place offensively in terms of the skill positions that they don't need to extend themselves too much. Like Jerry Judy, I think is capable of being a number one wide receiver. Cortland Sutton, same type of thing. Javante Williams, had he not gotten hurt last year, I, I honestly do think that that was a major X factor in their season. Yes, Russell Wilson didn't play well. Yes, Nathaniel Hackett wasn't a good head coach, but they were Williams was supposed to be a linchpin in that offense. And so losing him to injury was a massive blow to them. But as we were kind of saying with Deshaun Watson too, Russell Wilson just needs to get comfortable in Sean Payton's system. I mean, that's first and foremost what that's going to be. Now, 
a part of being comfortable in a system is having protection in front of you. And so when you're not getting sacked 55 times, it's going to make life a little bit easier throwing the football. So for me, this is a team that's going to be really hard to kind of peg in terms of how they fit those needs because they're kind of a little strap cap wise and they don't have a first or a second round draft pick this year. So you're talking about trying to address that need in the third round. It's possible. You can help. You can, you can do that but it's a lot less margin forever and it's a lot more difficult to identify those guys later in the round. So yes, the Denver Broncos have a uphill battle to climb. If Russell Wilson is that is not the quarterback that we all think he can be with Sean Payton, but ultimately what's going to help him most is a sturdy offensive line in front of him. Sounds like the Denver Broncos this year are going to basically run it back because <laughs> they just don't have a lot of wiggle room um, in terms of cap space. So Sully, Let's just move on. That was that was a quick one. Um, yep. What do you got for us next? Houston Texans. I mean, this is where it starts to get fun, right? And, and honestly, <laughs> we can kind of pair these two together because we got back-to-back Houston Texans, Indianapolis Colts, two AFC South teams, and spoiler alert, both of their needs are quarterback. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how both of these teams kind of attack this. We talked about it in the Shane Steichen emergency podcast where it does kind of feel like if they're going to go young, because of the hire, because of Steichen's resume of helping Justin Herbert right out of the gate be a f- over 4,000-yard passer, helping Jalen Hurts develop into an MVP-caliber quarterback, he has the chops of bringing a young quarterback along, and this is an organization that has struggled to really latch on to that veteran and have any sort of success. So if all of a sudden they're a, you know, or either one of these teams a Bryce Young contender in in, in you know, obviously Houston has the inside track with that, having the number two overall pick. But you look at Indianapolis, I believe they have the number four overall pick. It's not that much to to go up to number one with Chicago, who has the number one overall selection, and they are not expected to take quarterback, obviously, with Justin Fields. I think that if one team is going to go with a veteran and one team is going to go with a rookie in the draft, I actually think it would be Indy that goes with the young guy and Houston could be a sneaky team for a veteran quarterback if they go defense at both 2 and 12, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. My thing is, I don't – so for me, Sully, I I like Bryce Young. I think he can be a good player in the NFL. But I, I'm very intrigued and interested to hear your perspective on – you know, who you think fits each team better because both these teams need a quarterback. You've already stated that, but like what situation and which team and how the team is constructed, do you believe that each one of these quarterbacks, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, should they be, who should be on the Colts? Who should be on the Texans? Yeah, I go, you know, absolute highest ceiling. And Bryce Young, if he was just like, I don't know, three inches taller, a little bit stockier, it would be not even a discussion that he's the number one pick and it would be a slam dunk. And I even think Chicago would have to really think about it now, you know, but I think that if you're Houston, you might have a little bit more wiggle room. So, yes, I think that Bryce Young is the clear cut number one guy, in my opinion. And again, I'm I'm just starting to get into my draft research and stuff. Wilson's been doing this much longer and he's, he's getting compensated to do so. You know, we're we're watching the football up until February. Now he's been watching college football all throughout the year, too. So he has a little bit better of a sway than me in terms of discussing these guys. But Bryce Young, to me, clearly seems like he has the higher ceiling if he hits all of these marks. It's just a matter of we've never seen a quarterback his size really do any of the things that we're expecting him to do. So for me, if you're in Indianapolis, I go high ceiling. 
You've been muddying around with these veteran guys for so long, and it hasn't worked out for you. I go the absolute highest ceiling and go with a guy like Bryce Young. You can make the same case for Houston as well, but I think that they're in a little bit of a different spot in terms of where they're at in their franchise's you know, history or, or mile marker, whatever you want to call it. I think that they have so many needs that you could afford to go defense with both of those picks. Bring on a quarterback like I think Jimmy Garoppolo, who has a relationship with obviously D'Amico Rines, the, the new offensive coordinator, the GM drafted him, Nick Casario in New England. And you can kind of wade a water a little bit, see maybe even if you could get into the Caleb Williams conversation this time a year from now, and maybe you'll be a little bit better served. It's a little bit more of a longer road, but I do think that Houston has a longer road to run. I think that they have a roster that still needs a lot more pieces as opposed to Indianapolis, who we were all talking about when they added Matt Ryan last year. We're like, all right, well, maybe they could be a contender in the South. They have pieces. They have Jonathan Taylor. They have Michael Pittman. They have some pieces on defense where you can kind of maybe get this thing going quickly with a rookie quarterback. So to me, I think that Indianapolis might be more prone to go young there as opposed to Houston, even though, again, both of these guys could go go young quarterbacks and maybe go Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud or Will Levis or any of those guys. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Uh, your whole analysis on where these quarterbacks should go. I do think that's very intriguing about the Texans, though. You know, prolonging their situation, waiting to get in that that Caleb that that Caleb Love, uh, you know, sweepstakes next season. Um, that's that's I I I haven't heard that. I haven't heard many people talk about that, and I, I think that's a, a very possible scenario. Well, All right, don't so rebuild we, it overnight. I mean, like the, you know, that's just it's it's fools the fools thinking that you're like, okay, we can just go into an offseason and fix this overnight. And it's tempting to go with a quarterback, especially if you love Bryce Young. I mean, you know, heck, if you like him, draft him. Like, don't, you know, don't just say, all right, we might have a top five pick next year, so let's wait and see what those quarterbacks are like. But I, I think that from the vibes that I get from everybody talking about the draft and, and kind of analyzing this group, it's not like it's a super slam dunk. Yes, Bryce Young is probably the best of the bunch, but it's not like this all-world quarterback class. It's better than last year's, but I don't think it's better than a couple of years ago, obviously, when Joe Burrow and all those boys were coming out. So if you don't love anybody in this class, if you're Houston, you're not expected to be particularly good next year. So evaluate 2024 as much as you're evaluating 2023. And if you love these defensive guys, maybe go that route and go quarterback later on. Yeah, I mean, there's also no guarantee. You don't know what guys are going to be available. You don't know where you, you're going to stack up and where you're going to, you know, I mean, obviously you can get a range, but you just you just never know exactly yeah. where you could hit. So it's everything's a risk in this game and in and, and this league, and you just you just really never know. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll finish up the AFC and maybe get in a little to a little bit of the NFC with Sully as well. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Sully. So, what's our next team? What's our next AFC team? Let's 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 uh, start uh, rattling off these uh, AFC teams so we can get to the NFC. All right, sounds good. We'll go a little bit quicker here. Let's go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll stay in the AFC South, and I think the secondary is still kind of an issue for them. Y- you know, they have. They're an interesting team. I think that they're going to be so fun to watch next year because you're getting Calvin Ridley back, putting him into that offense with Christian Kirk. And so I don't know if the offense needs too, too much. Yes, you want to re-sign Evan Ingram at the tight end spot. I thought he was awesome for them last year. To me, I would just continue to beef up on the secondary, especially when you're in a conference where you're going to talk about having to go through Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Herbert, Allen. I mean, it, you know, who knows? Maybe even Aaron Rodgers if he gets traded into the AFC. You need to be able to shut these quarterbacks down, shut these premier wide receivers down. And so you have a couple of options here. I think somebody who would be interesting, and I know this is going to be a controversial one, and I have a paired for another team that I like a little bit better for him in terms of a fit. But wouldn't it be funny if all of a sudden we get Jalen Ramsey back in Jacksonville with the Los Angeles Rams kind of needing to cut salary and, and kind of redo their books? You bring a guy like that back who, again, was a controversial figure Left on not so great terms, but totally different regime, totally different. You know, everything's different other than the ownership there. So I do wonder if all of a sudden you put him back in Jacksonville, how would that look for the Jaguars? Maybe that might rejuvenate uh, Jalen Ramsey's career. You know, he's had some struggles and gotten beat a lot while being in uh, LA and with the Rams. Maybe the glitz and glamour has gotten to him and uh, it has made his play drop a little bit. But I would actually love to see Jalen Ramsey back. In Jacksonville. I just love it for the chaos. Like, I just, that's what I root for half the time. You're messy. You're messy, Sully. You're messy. Like, last offseason was amazing because we just got absolute chaos. Whether it was Nathaniel Hackett going to Denver, thinking Rodgers is going to go. He ends up staying. Wilson goes in. I I, I absolutely loved all that chaos. And so, to me, that would be an interesting one. I mean, they do have Darius Williams. And, you know, they have guys on that, on that, in that secondary that can play well and play at a high level. But when you're talking about legitimately contending, I mean, this team made the playoffs, won a playoff game, got up on the Kansas City Chiefs. They were going toe-to-toe with them for a minute there. If all of a sudden you add a legitimate game-breaker when he's right in Jalen Ramsey or anybody along those lines, whether it's a a high draft pick that you want to bring in a cornerback or anything like that, I think that that would be a game-changer for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think secondary and just as a whole, and if you want to throw a little little chaos in there, then give me Jalen Ramsey back to them. (laughs) Well, I mean – I think it's also not a clear-cut thing that Evan Ingram comes back. And even if he does come back, you still can draft Luke Musgrove out of Oregon State. That's um, who Wilson has the Jacksonville Jaguars taking 24th overall um, in this upcoming uh, draft. So, I mean, that's a possibility. You can always use more offensive weapons. You could never have too many. And I know Doug Peterson likes to run a lot of two tight end sets. So he did a lot of that in Philadelphia when we won the Super Bowl with Trey Burton and, and Goddard and Zach Ertz and stuff like that. So um, he he likes his tight ends and tight ends help quarterbacks very well. So that could also help Trevor Lawrence take that next step next season. Sure. But moving on, Sully, who we got? Kansas City Chiefs. First and foremost, Orlando Brown. That needs to get figured out. Probably going to franchise him. He's the premier tackle in the NFL. You, you can't lose a guy like that. So 
Put that off to the side. That's their number one priority, I guess, in terms of on the roster. But I do think that they could use some edge rushing help as well. Like I do think that that's a piece to them. They're kind of getting a little bit of an aging roster at that spot. They did draft George Karlaftis last year. But I think that this is a team, because they're the Super Bowl champions, because everybody expects them to be in contention for a championship year in and year out, this is where the veterans are going to go now. This is where all these guys who are still hunting for a ring, still wanting to play premier playoff football, want to go to because they feel like it gives them that best chance. I think that a guy like Jadavian Clowney might be interesting for them. Now, that has to you know work itself out with, with Cleveland and all that, and that needs and he needs to be on board and be a good soldier going to play for the Kansas City Chiefs. But if you get a motivated a buy-in Jadavian Clowney, for that, for the Kansas City Chiefs, I think that he'd be a fascinating addition for them. I don't disagree with that. I, I would be very intrigued to see. I mean, it was no question that they needed more pass rushing threats on their defense. Like that was just something that was very glooming, especially when you're looking at the Super Bowl. Like it was like the Eagles had an immense amount of pass rushers, and like the Chiefs had like. Chris Jones, like, and it's like, okay, yeah, like, Chris Jones is a very good, like, pass rusher, but you need more than that. You need more depth, as the Eagles have shown this year. If you can have a lot of depth on that defensive line, you can be very successful defensively. Um, so it'd be very scary to see that they're, they're very young on the back end of their of their defense as well, but those guys have played big. They played big against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, who have three premier, talented, elite wide receivers. So if they add a good pass rusher to that defense, they're they're just going to be even more dominant than they were this year. And, and I think George Collapse is going to be good next year. Like I think he's going to be someone who sees an uptick in playing time, an uptick in production. I, I thought that he was a guy last year going into, I believe I did the, the podcast with Will when we were talking about it. I thought he'd be good value for defensive rookie of the year. Obviously, Sauce Gardner decided to crash that party and really <laughs> be just awesome. But I thought that he was someone who is in a good setting and I still like his prospects going forward to be a key piece to that defensive line, obviously, with Chris Jones in the interior. So that, that to me, is something to look at with the Kansas City Chiefs. If we're going to keep going, let's look at Las Vegas. And this one's easy, right? Quarterback, <laughs> let's, see what, let's see what they do, right? Let's see how they attack this. And we know that they're going to lose, or they've already gotten rid of Derek Carr. The question is, how are they going to fill this spot? What are they going to do? Are they going to trade? free agency, draft. I've said Lamar Jackson's an interesting guy. If, if if all of a sudden he demands a trade, there's a relationship there between him and Josh McDaniels going way back to when he was coming out and they had a private workout in South Florida. Apparently it went away, came out of it being like unbelievable. Josh McDaniels was extremely impressed with him, according to reports. And so the Patriots never ended up drafting him, but that was always something that I thought was super interesting. And only since then, he's won an MVP. So I'm, I'm sure that Josh McDaniels still likes him to a certain degree. Now, that is the swing for the fences type of move. Do they get Jimmy Garoppolo in free agency? Again, that relationship with Josh McDaniels, is that someone who they feel is a substantial upgrade from Derek Carr? Because that's how I kind of look at it, right? Like, you're not going to move on from Derek Carr to go to Jimmy Garoppolo, are you? And that kind of feels like a lateral move. I feel like you're either going to go one of two ways. One, you're going to go young in the NFL draft with the number seven pick or move up into, and to get yourself into the conversation of a Levis, Stroud, or Young, or you're swinging hard for Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers or something like that. Like, I don't see them doing the Jimmy Garoppolo in between. It just feels too lateral of a move. You should have just kept Carr at that point, right? 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think they're more than likely either going to get Aaron Rodgers or they may draft Will Levis. Um, that's what Wilson has been doing, drafting Will Levis out of Kentucky. What are your thoughts on if they do draft Will Levis? How do you – like, because if you think about this Raiders team, Josh Jacobs is obviously out of there. They have to replace the running back uh, situation. Where do – what direction is this team going, Sully? It's, it would be weird. So this is kind of what I was going to get to. It feels like the Garoppolo kind of signing feels like a lateral move. And if they go young and they go after just, say, Will Levis at, at number seven – it just kind of feels like that's not part of the timeline with the rest of this roster, right? I mean, last offseason, they go after and get Devontae Adams, who is not a spring chicken. He's he's in the prime of his career. He's ready to contend. You go after Chandler Jones, same type of thing. You have Darren Waller. You have these guys that are ready to contend right now. And so all of a sudden, you're going to ask a guy like Will Levis or any rookie quarterback to come in and say, hey, not only do you have to – play to the level of at least of where Derek Carr was a year ago and keep us afloat. But you also have to do that in a division with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson. Like that's a really tall ask. And it just doesn't feel like that's really the right timeline for them, especially the way they've constructed their roster. Now you can make moves and, and go young if you want to, but I don't think that this is a team and I don't think this is a coach that, is afforded that much like I don't think that they're going to fire Josh McDaniels but it did even feel a little hairy there at certain points last year I mean the dude's losing to Baker Mayfield when he first arrived in LA he loses to Jeff Saturday in the Indianapolis Colts I mean like we were having those conversations like all right like what's going to go on here with Josh McDaniels and Mark Davis now I think that they're more prone to go with a veteran quarterback that gives them that higher ceiling so it kind of does feel like a Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers type of suitor there. I mean, Rodgers was even saying at whatever golf tournament he was at a little while ago, like, oh, there's a lot of Raiders fans out there, and, you know, Devontae Adams is there. Maybe we could have some sort of reunion. So it, it would feel like that that move would make more sense if they go, like, superstar, swing for the fences right. quarterback as opposed to a rookie. No, I, I completely agree with you, brother, for sure, a thousand percent. All right, let's pivot. Let's move on to the Chargers. What – do these what do the Chargers need, Sully? Because we keep talking about them for consecutive all seasons. They're gonna make a leap, they're gonna make a jump. Justin Herbert's this elite quarterback and an upcoming young quarterback. What do they need? I think what's you, you might not even think that this is a big need for them because they have you know Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, but I think wide receivers like a, a, a sneaky big need for this team. There's been talk that Keenan Allen could be a cap casualty. They can clear around a, a decent amount of cap, cap space. It's a little over fifteen million dollars that they can clear for a guy getting rid of him, and he's getting a little bit older. His health isn't exactly. He's not the model of health to be on the field every single week. Same thing with Mike Williams. And when both those guys go down, you do see a, a precipitous drop in terms of the production. As good as Justin Herbert is, he does need some semblance of a top-tier wide receiver. So I think that that's kind of where you where you kind of look at here if you're, if you're Los Angeles. Now, where you do that and who that is is, is going to be interesting. Like, are you a DeAndre Hopkins contender? Are you somebody that's going to go into the NFL draft and draft one of these young guys and hope that you hit? Like, that's going to be kind of the fascinating thing there. I think that Hopkins is interesting. Now, you know, he's an, he's another guy who's, you know, on the wrong side of 30. And, you know, you can say, okay, that's kind of putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole type of a thing because what does that do for you long term? But I think that he's somebody who 
could elevate this offense in the wake of maybe losing a guy like Keenan Allen. That makes sense. Do you think they go, you know, offensive line to try and get a little more protection for Justin Herbert? He had those those lingering injuries that he occurred earlier in the season. They kind of obviously lingered throughout the whole season. Do you think they go offensive line to try and really protect him and give him a shot at making a real playoff run this year? Yeah, it's certainly possible. But again, you know, you can have all the protection in the world, but all right, if nobody's open, what are you going to do with it? You know what I mean? So like, there's that piece of it too. Yeah, of course, you want to keep your quarterbacks upright. We were just talking about that with Joe Burrow, and that's been a big Achilles heel for them. So if all of a sudden a premier tackle sitting there waiting for you, whether it's in the free agent market or at the NFL draft, absolutely, go get it. I'm never going to go after you for protecting your quarterback, especially when it's a guy like Justin Herbert who is legitimately talent-wise top five, top ten in the NFL and ascending over these next few years. So, yeah, no, sure, I'll absolutely – go offensive tackle there. And, and so it's kind of the same thing with the next team too, with the Miami Dolphins. Like it's the offensive line. It's protecting Joe, uh, Tuatunga Bailoa, especially considering the season that we just saw from him. Everywhere else, they already kind of have pieces in place. Maybe you could say that they, they need a little bit more of a running game, I guess. But like, I don't know. Like I, I, I for one, and more give him, give Tuatunga Bailoa as much protection as possible. Mike McGlinchey might be somebody that you look at to, to man right tackle. Obviously they still have, Teron Armstead at their left tackle spot. They spent big on him in free agency a year ago, but maybe you kind of double down on it in the second consecutive offseason to solidify that right side. And again, with a lefty quarterback, that's basically your blind side tackle. So it's an important spot for, for Miami. So Mike McGlinchey could be somebody who I think in the free agent market Miami might be interested in. All right. What's next for us? Let's go with – we'll stay with the AFCs. We'll go with the New England Patriots, my New England Patriots. And for, number one is wide receiver. I mean, that's clear. They Mac Jones needs somebody to lean on. I mean, we see all these quarterbacks outside of, like, Patrick Mahomes, who is just otherworldly. But you see Joe Burrow leaning on a guy like Jamar Chase. We see, like, Kirk Cousins leaning on a guy like Justin Jefferson. They all need these guys. And even Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he has – as much as I'm saying he doesn't need a star wide receiver, he has the best tight end in the NFL right now in Travis Kelsey. So wherever you can get that kind of elite pass catcher, I think is something that that folks around here have been clamoring for. T. Higgins is a name that everybody talks about, whether it's it's similar to A.J. Brown a year ago, a dude that needs a contract. Maybe his team is not able to give him that because they're signing their quarterback and another wide receiver next offseason. So that's something where you look at and you say, okay, could you package the first round pick along with maybe whatever else you need to do and then sign him to a big money deal. If you're not going to go down that road, you need an offensive tackle. You need to protect Mac Jones. Like we were saying with these other quarterbacks, you have Trent Brown who you could clear cap space to get rid of this year. I believe Isaiah Wynn is going to hit free agency this year as well. Those your two starting tackles from a year ago, and even retaining those guys, they they weren't giving you elite production. So for me, it's it centers around Mac Jones, whether it's giving him protection up front or giving him a wide receiver to throw the football to. All right, Sully. Now it's time for the New York Jets. What are they going to do? Zach Wilson was a complete disaster last season. What are their next steps? Do they go and try and find a quarterback? Do they sign a David? Uh, not David Carr. Well, if they sign David Carr, it's probably the same thing as having Zach Wilson, right? I know, right? So do they sign Carr, but do they sign Garoppolo? Like, where where do they go? Well, I'm interested to see how they operate the quarterback spot because you could naturally say, all right, Derek Carr, like that's that makes all the sense in the world. But 
I think that Woody Johnson, this this whole Jets organization, I think that they'd be too tempted to see. All right, well, what happens with Der- with with Aaron Rodgers? Because I think that that is their preferred option. I mean, why wouldn't it be? If you get a motivated Aaron Rodgers coming to your organization, one that we all I feel view as a quarterback away from really being a significant player in the AFC, considering all the young talent that they have around them. I don't know why you wouldn't want to see that through. Derek Carr is certainly an upgrade, but I don't know if you're if you're winning the Super Bowl with him. I don't know if you're going to be in those discussions with Derek Carr as your quarterback. You'll be able to contend for a playoff spot for sure. But if you get Aaron Rodgers, you're talked about as a Super Bowl contender. You're a, a sexy pick in the same vein as Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay, Matthew Stafford going to Los Angeles. You're kind of following that same route. So, you know, as much as Carr kind of makes sense, I guess, on paper, I don't know if the ceiling with Carr is enough for them to sign him right now. Because, again, Derek Carr can sign any moment now. It doesn't he, – he can go whenever he wants. He doesn't have to wait till the start of free agency. And I guess the same thing applies here with Aaron Rodgers in a certain degree because they can trade him whenever they want. It's not like he's going to be a free agent. But he's in some hyperbolic chamber, dark room for the next however many days. So we have to wait and see what goes on with Aaron Rodgers. And I think that maybe a team like New Orleans may be a little bit too – or more eager to sign Derek Carr, which, again, leaves – the New York Jets kind of on the outside looking in. So I think that they go quarterback. It's just a matter of how they get there and whether it's – and if they strike out on Aaron Rodgers, if he decides he comes out of this this whatever and decides to stay in Green Bay or goes to Las Vegas, yeah, that might stink that you lose out on Derek Carr if he ends up signing with New Orleans. But at the same time, you could probably just sign Jimmy Garoppolo. And like we were saying earlier, that feels like the same type of a move. <laughs> and, and Robert Sala has a relationship with him from their days in San Francisco. It's a great point. I think we got one more AFC team, right, Sully? We have two more. Real quickly, Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the other Jalen Ramsey team I was talking about. This one I feel like makes way more sense, and it would be just way more fun to see him in Pittsburgh playing in that defense with T.J. Watt and just absolutely owning that set secondary. So to me, I think that that would be a, a fascinating pairing. They already have George Pickens. This team can draft on offense. I'm not worried about them finding talent young, cheap, inexpensive talent on the offensive side of the ball. I want the Pittsburgh Steelers to have an elite defense when they're going up against Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, maybe even still Lamar Jackson. I want them to have one of the more feared defenses in the NFL. They already have that in terms of pass rush. I want the secondary to take that next step to be elite and bringing in a guy like Jalen Ramsey, who, again, I think Los Angeles might have to get rid of in terms of just financial purposes. I think that that would be an interesting pairing. And then finally, and this is just, we can just go quickly here. It's Tennessee offensive line. It's just their number one issue. It was one of the worst in the NFL last year, whether it's, and you might need in a, a bunch of different spots. Now you can question, you know, is quarterback going to be the thing because they could get rid of Ryan Tannehill and clear a bunch of cap space and go with Malik Willis. That's a conversation that you can have, but in terms of just the roster right now, you need to replenish that offensive line in the worst way. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that at all because the Eagles had their way with that Tennessee offensive yeah. line. <laughs> all right, so let's go to the NFC now. Let's pivot. Let's make a little make a little move over to the NFC. Um, let's start off with the New York Giants, Sully. What do the Giants need? You know, Daniel Jones, what are they going to do with him? Saquon, what's their biggest need, though? Because they do have a big void at the wide receiver slot as well. Well, that's what it is, right? I mean, if we're not talking about re-signing Daniel Jones and re-signing Saquon Barkley, if we're talking about just adding to the roster that we saw last year, it's 
it's the wide receiver spot and it's not even close. It, and now, again, wherever you want to get that, like, you know, if you want to go into the DeAndre Hopkins waters, if you want to be one of these teams where T Higgins becomes available and you want to do something along those lines, then sure. Like that's totally fine. Or if you want to draft somebody, that's again, that's fine as well. I think you might have to take multiple stabs at a wide receiver too. Like, I don't think that they're one wide receiver away from, being a, a capable offense. I mean, we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, these guys that were on practice squads making significant impacts on this team a year ago. So, like, they need a couple of different stabs. I'm not saying that you have to do first round, second round, third round, all in wide receiver, but you do kind of have to replenish that room. I mean, you did lose uh, Kadarius Tony, who was a first-round pick for you, to Kansas City this, this past year. You traded him. You know, you're, you're re-signing Isaiah Hodgins, and you're saying that, he, you know, he was a – huge piece for them, but he was on the, you know, he was a backup in Buffalo. Like, it's not like you're talking about anybody that's has any sort of cachet. So for me, it's wide receiver, no matter how you get it, whether it's drafting, trading, free agency, that to me is the number one priority, obviously with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley coming back as well. Yep. I totally agree. All right. Let's move on to my guys, NFC champions, Philadelphia Eagles, what is the what are, what are the biggest moves that you feel like the Eagles need to make this off? Well, I'll sit back. You tell me, man. Come on. I mean, for me personally, I think our main things that we need to figure out and, and need to need to harness are we need to get a running back. Miles Sanders, we're probably gonna let him go. Just didn't, you know, production in the regular season, yes, played well. And then to the playoffs, it was a lot of gain well on the line of Boston Scott because they were the more consistent guys. They were the guys that were able to really get the offense and the run game jump started. So I just don't believe that Halby's going to be willing to pay a guy like Miles Sanders. But on the defensive end, Javon Hargrave and CJ Gardner Johnson are the two biggest guys that we need to resign. Epps needs to get signed as well. Marcus uh, Marcus Epps needs to get signed as well. But those two guys are the biggest guys that on the defensive end need to get signed. Hargrave played very well, had double digit sacks, um, really plays well in the run game as well. And then obviously CJ Gardner Johnson led the league in interceptions or was at least top two in interceptions this year. And you know he he's a he's a he's a very versatile piece. He's a guy like Brian Dawkins who can play a lot of different positions and move a lot of different places on the field and give you a lot of production and allows the defensive coordinator to call a lot of calls out there on the field. So those are the biggest things that I feel like my Eagles team needs to address this offseason. Do you consider Bradbury good as gone? Just because gonna I mean, yeah. I mean, from what his press conference said, he said that you know he doesn't want to play for cheap and I mean, that's fine. You can go to a, maybe a losing team or, or you know, and not <laughs> already, have a already, already bitter about it. I love it. Because it's, it's just like you almost won a Super Bowl. You had a team in the Giants. They released you. We picked you up. And obviously it wasn't on a deal that you wanted. But, you know, there's things that I feel like teams can do to maybe make sure you get your money on the back end. Um, but if you want to win, like I, it, it's what's important to guys. I don't knock guys for, you know, money being important to them. I have no issue with that. But, you know. You don't want to win. That's fine. That's all good. Yeah. So I would I would think corner is definitely a clear need for them. I like the running back situation too. I mean, if, Rob, if if all of a sudden Robinson out of Texas is sitting sitting there at number thirty, at the end of the first round, that would be Pull the that'd trigger. Be a fun pick. That's a fun. <laughs> that from a fantasy football perspective, that's a fun pick. Like that is that is him good time. and Jalen Hurst together would be would be nuts. Yeah. That that's <laughs> so I think I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Cornerback. And again, if you want to get a little spicy at running back at the end of the first round, if Robinson's sitting there or something like that, then sure. I, I like that a lot. 
All right, let's pivot. Let's move on. Uh, let's go to the commanders. What do the commanders need, Sully? Obviously, they tried Wentz. Wentz didn't work out. They have a void at quarterback. Their defense wasn't too shabby this year, but offensively, what do they need? Yeah, I, I, it's still quarterback, right? I mean, I know that there's so many reports, and I know it, our own Jonathan Jones is reporting that Sam Howell is entering the offseason program as quarterback one. They're talking, and throughout the entire process of their offensive coordinator search, they were telling, according to JJ, that they had in mind that that Howell's going to be their guy, at least to start the offseason program and all of that stuff. And with Eric Bieniemy, it seems like that's kind of the same mantra going into this now that he's hired. I don't know if I believe him, though. Like, I just don't know if I believe that. Because if all of a sudden, like, a guy is available to you that you know is clearly better, like, why wouldn't you go after that? Like, if all of a sudden there's just no market for, like, Jimmy Garoppolo, like, do you really feel like Sam Howell is that high? Like, is his ceiling going to be that high? Like, I don't know. It's just he was, like, the fifth quarterback taken last year. And, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to be good. I mean, we've we've had quarterbacks fall in, into the NFL draft and have great NFL careers, obviously. But – I, I just feel like, you know, they're not doing them. They're doing themselves a bit of disservice. I think they've mismanaged the quarterback situation for the last few years here. Even last offseason when they were going after Carson Wentz, they were like the first team to make a move for a quarterback. They didn't even let the dominoes fall. They were just like, we want Carson Wentz when nobody else wanted Carson Wentz. And then the, a few months later, you have like Russell Wilson, Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers possibly moves. Like you have all these quarterbacks all of a sudden moving or at least possibly moving, Matt Ryan even. And they were already sitting there with Carson Wentz. It just made no sense to me. So this offseason, it might be smart to sit back and say, hey, listen, we're going to be happy with what we have, but don't not look around. Like, you can still go shopping. Like, let's not let's not, let's not just go home with the groceries here. Let's let's keep our eyes in the yeah, aisle. you're not in a committed relationship. You're still Absolutely able to not. play the field. You're still able to see what else is out there. So to me, it's still quarterback. As much as they'll say, like, it's, you know, and I, and I believe that that's what they're saying. I just don't know if when push comes to shove and if a quarterback's sit, staring them in the face, I still think that they would go after that guy, whoever that may be. And they also have a lot of ownership uh, things to sure. you know, hash out and deal with as because well. they have a good roster, like you said. Like you know, the defense plays well. They have Terry McLaurin, who's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Jahan Dotson as well. I mean, Brian Robinson is a good running back for them as well. Obviously, after just a crazy start to his career, obviously you know, getting shot and missing the first few weeks there. But they have a good. They have pieces around them that if you insert a decent quarterback, I think that you're not that far off from making some noise in the NFC East. Yeah, I, I don't, I do not disagree. They've got a lot over there. So let's pivot. Let's move on to another team that everybody loves to talk about, the Dallas Cowboys. What's happening with Dak? Does he, is it, is it an actual possibility that he gets moves? Obviously, Kellen Moore is out of there. Um, but what do you also do with a guy like Tony Pollard? Um, and Zeke. So, like, what what do the Cowboys need? Well, this is what's going to be interesting. It's the skill positions. I, I kind of lumping it all together for Dallas because I do think that they could use a, a secondary wide receiver opposite of C.D. Lamb, almost like a guy like Amari Cooper, who they probably shouldn't have got rid of in the first place and just restructured his deal. But that's neither here nor there. That that <laughs> that, that cow's already left the barn. So I, I do think that the backfield's probably going to be the most interesting. You know. He's, Zeke is not at the point in his career now where he can carry a backfield. And Tony Pollard was clearly the better back now. And, and you can make a case that he might find it somewhere, find a better contract somewhere else. And he leaves Dallas. I mean, yes, they could, you know, put the franchise tag on him and we'll see what happens there. But like, I don't, I don't know if that's a guarantee that he's returning. Yeah. He's a key piece to their offense. But if all of a sudden a team comes around and says, Hey, we'll pay you X amount of dollars. And Dallas is only coming in at a, at a shorter amount. Then, 
it's 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 in his right to go leave somewhere. So to me, it's the skill positions. Whether you lose Tony Pollard, then yes, you have to replenish that in some way, shape, or form in free agency or via the draft. And if you're able to retain that, I would then move my attention towards a number two wide receiver somewhere. Whether again, it's draft, trade, free agency. All right, let's move on to the to the NFC South. Let's start off with the Atlanta Falcons. They have a lot of holes, Sully. <laughs> Which hole is getting plugged up first? Well, well, let's just do this. Let's make life easier for us and, and speed this thing up. The AF, the NFC South, you have the Atlanta Falcons, you have the Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the New Orleans Saints. Outside of playing in the same division, what do they have in common? They all need a quarterback. Every single one of them. Tom Brady's gone. That He's retired. And, and you have new regimes all across that, you know, with Frank Wright coming into Carolina. They all need new quarterbacks. And so, again, how they go about doing it, I think, is going to be interesting. I think that you have a team in the New Orleans Saints who it feels like Derek Carr is a really strong candidate there. It doesn't feel like he's a fit, or at least there's much talk about him going to any of those other teams in that division, which is kind of interesting because I do think that Tampa Bay could be a fascinating spot for him. But I think that they're a veteran quarterback. They're going to be in the veteran quarterback market. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, he fulfills his destiny of succeeding Tom Brady, just happens to be in Tampa Bay. But Atlanta, to me, is fun because they could be a Lamar Jackson team. And I love that. I absolutely think that that would be so fun to see him in Atlanta. Just kind of this generation's Michael Vick wearing the Falcons uniforms, running around like that to me would be so fun. And they have weapons on offense that you could even make a case are better than Baltimore's right now. Like Drake London is better than any wide receiver that the Baltimore Ravens have. Kyle Pitts, talent-wise, is right there with Mark Andrews. He just they just didn't throw him the football last year. And I know that as a Mark Andrew uh, as a Kyle Pitts fantasy football owner, it was not a fun experience. But if you put a guy like Lamar Jackson in there, I think that that it instantaneously makes your offense so much more dynamic. Arthur Smith is a great head coach, great offensive mind. You put him in his system, boy, you could have some fascinating concepts offensively. So in Carolina as well, you know, maybe I think that they're, I think Carolina quickly is a young quarterback uh, road that they're going to go down. I don't think Frank Reich is taking this job saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the same thing I did in Indy and just go through all these veteran quarterbacks. I think he's going to want to draft, develop, and bring along his team a bit slower. And so that's kind of how I see both of these teams. I see I see Atlanta swinging for the fences, maybe with Lamar Jackson, Carolina starting over with a young quarterback, and then you have New Orleans and Tampa Bay kind of in that veteran quarterback market. I don't disagree with that at all. And I think the Lamar Jackson thing would obviously be nuts and would definitely pay homage to Michael Vick. So Again, I like chaos. Cool. So if all yeah, of a sudden the number you're eight, messy. It's okay. That's fine no. to like messiness. Uh, it's fine. So it's all good. All right, let's pivot to the NFC North. Let's look at the Chicago Bears. First overall pick, where could they go? Do they? I mean, there was talks about trading Justin Fields. You know, is that a possibility or do they go get an edge rusher? Yeah, I don't think that they do. I, I don't – I think Justin Fields has showed you – I think – you, you can probably attest to this as well. I think Justin Fields is very much on a similar path to Jalen Hurts. Yep. I think that he is in that same kind of ascension. He's – not maybe as polished as a passer, but at the same time, if all of a sudden they put capable pieces around him, then you could start having the conversation. You can you can truly evaluate him at that point. Is is I guess the best way to say that. So, if the number one overall pick, Will Anderson, is probably just the easy answer, right? You just you know you help your edge 
and you help your defense. Now, if you want to get crazy with it, like you sell that pick to the highest bidder and you have multiple pieces on the defensive side coming in. Like if you can get multiple first round picks, like if all of a sudden Houston wants to get crazy and it's like, here's two and 12 because we really love Bryce Young and we don't want Indy to get them, then sure. Like you do that and you continue to maximize what you have in terms of assets because this is a team that not only has the number one overall pick this year, they have the most cap space by far out of anybody else in the NFL. So they can kind of revamp this thing relatively quickly. Like as much as we're talking about, you know, New England or these other teams maybe getting a wide receiver and trading a first-round pick for them, like Chicago could do that easily and sign them to a massive contract as well. And that's one thing that, you know, is it could be interesting with Indianapolis as well. If they all of a sudden want to go young and kind of are doing a soft rebuild with a quarterback, well, Michael Pittman's in that same boat as needing a new contract and – you might want to get paid, and maybe that doesn't fit your timeline. So all of a sudden, if they want to move up to one, you get their first-round pick and Michael Pittman. Well, all right, you're starting to cook a little bit with, with, with Justin Fields in that offense. So, you know, there's a couple of ways they can go down. But to me, it's just continuing to build around Justin Fields. They have so many needs that it's tough to pinpoint one. I would say wide receiver just so we can get a true evaluation of Justin Fields as a passer. But on defense, if you're going to stick at number one, just, just help the edge and go with Will Anderson. Oh, look who just hey. hey! We got some. We got our. Uh, we got our guy Brinson here. Hey, is, this, is, this a, is this the Pick Six podcast? This is the Pick Six podcast. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Not without you, brother. Uh, yeah, my bad. I um, I I, I don't know why I thought we do we do three thirty before. I'm it's, it's we're transitioning out of the out of the season mode. It's fine. Yeah, we're I, all apologies. Off I apologize, Sally. Oh, you're good. Good job, good job by you, fellas. Um. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we're talking about the NFC North right now. We already discussed the Bears. Um, Brinson, you can take over and kind of ask about the Lions. Maybe what's what's next for the Lions? What what did the Lions need this coming off season? Yeah, I mean, I think the the Lions are really interesting because we were talking about this with the Super Bowl odds with RJ, right? And it's like you start looking at these Super Bowl odds for the uh, for the NFC North, and the Lions have the shortest odds of any team in the NFC North to win the Super Bowl, which, Sully, is absolutely bad smell insane to suggest that the Lions are the favorites to win this division or the favorites to win, like, the like the most likely team to win the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, I do think that if you look at the rosters, all, like all the, all the rosters – in the division, I think you could make the case that the Lions have the most balanced roster of, of all the teams in, in in the NFC North. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, to me, it's it's all defense at this point. If you can, if you, all of a sudden you can build that secondary up, I mean, we saw that they could score thirty points a game. The only problem was that they were allowing like thirty points a game. So you add a corner in there at, at some point, whether again it's via the draft, free agency, whatever you want to do. Like, it, I would lean a little bit more towards building that young core out. Like, I would go draft that way because. It just doesn't it, – again, it doesn't feel like they're like a Super Bowl contender. Like I don't think that you should go after – like we were talking about, uh, Billy. Like I don't think like Jalen Ramsey's a guy – like that's like, – they're a candidate for Jalen Ramsey. I don't think that that would make much sense now. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's the thing. It's like they are the favorite, but it's it's. I think it's still hard to say this is a, this is a, you know, a Super Bowl contender. Like, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I'm skeptical of them being the favorite. I think that the Vikings are probably – like if you if you like you if you depict between the Vikings and the Lions right now, who wins the division? Uh, your life is on the line. I'm probably I would probably lean towards the Vikings, but I think the Lions will be the trendy pick um, amongst most of the media media. I don't know what it would be like the whatever whatever the, the media would be. Um, I, I, yeah, but I would go Minnesota too, especially with 
with Brian Flores coming in as their DC, like, you know, I, I, I think that they are trending upward as well. And I think that they have a little bit more of a higher ceiling. Yeah. yeah I mean, Detroit is grittier. They play tougher because of Dan Campbell and all that stuff. Like we were saying earlier, he's biting kneecaps and all that. But like, I, I still like the top tier talent with Minnesota. And so, yeah, no, I would, I would lean more that I, way. I also think you can make the case that like, while the Vikings, I mean, while the Lions, excuse me, have um, plenty of talent in terms of the receivers and, and the pass catchers that, you know, that this is a team that could go out and still add another pass catcher. Like Amron St. Brown and Jameson Williams are studs. Uh, you know, they traded away TJ Hawkinson. Like they still need, you know, you know, you, you, you know, Jameson Williams just returned from like, you know, pop at the, at the end of the right. season. Right. Amron St. Brown is an all pro, but like they do need, um, you know, they, they do need like, like they're one injury away from like, oh, wow, this is not really a team that has a ton of depth in terms of what they want to do at receiver positions. So do I think we put, do we even find like a some sort of pass catching tight end as well? Like are they in that yeah. kind of, you know, obviously you lose TJ Hawkins and you kind of need somebody along those lines. So that's that's a definitely a spot for them to look at. Uh, agreed. And it'll be interesting, too, because this is a team that has um, under Dan Campbell. And the current regime built out, you know, from sort of the the you know from the interior. And the other thing is, they can say they like Jared Goff all they want. You know, he's still not extremely old, but at some point, like they are going to have to take that plunge into the quarterback pool and, and try to pick one up in the draft as well. Hundred percent. I mean, you know, that's kind of what I'm saying here. Like, it's you know, yeah, okay, they're the betting favorite and all that, and you know, we could say like, okay, they need a cornerback and help that secondary or help that defense or add another wide receiver. The elephant in the room is that like. Your quarterback, who was playing well, but the ceiling for that quarterback, it, it feels a little, and I'm not saying this to be rude, but like it feels more Alex Smithy than it does Patrick Mahomesy, if that makes sense. I, I, I would not disagree with you whatsoever. Um, okay, moving along to the Vikings. Have we, have, we, have we covered the Vikings? We covered the Vikings a little bit, yeah. So Packers. Packers. Uh, they need to solve the well, Billy shaking his head. No, we've not covered the Vikings. Well, I mean, like, we didn't like necessarily like dive deep into the Oh, Vikings. yeah, I guess we that's did, true. Yeah, we didn't mention the Vikings, though. We did. So, I mean, yeah, we can go to the Packers. That's fine. No, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I'm I, I the one who showed up at the wrong time. Um, the, uh, the, the Packers, like, I think they have a pretty clear, like, I mean, if we're talking about strictly roster building, there's a lot of different things that they have to worry about. If we're talking about, um, you know, off season needs. I mean, let's you know, let's take it as a global approach and say look, they got to figure out what the hell they're going to do with the quarterback position. You yeah. know, where is Aaron Rodgers going to play? Is it Green Bay? Is it um, is it Las Vegas? Is it the Jets? Is it, where like is he? Are they going to trade him? Is he going to retire? Like, what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? That's the, that's the question, Sully. It kind of feels like the momentum, at least in terms of the more recent reporting, is kind of shifting that they do want to move away from Aaron Rodgers. It yes. kind of feels like where the momentum is going. Again, who knows when he comes out of his his you know, where, wherever his, his hyperbolic chamber is or whatever the hell it is. I thought he was out now. I actually thought I saw him over the weekend, but I don't think that was true. You were in the dark room? Good for you. Wow. Yeah, I think he's out now, right? I, he might be. I have no idea. Or he, go, or he went back in. I, who, who who knows? Well, you think he double dipped on the darkness? You never crazy. know. Maybe it was fun. I, I, I would hate it. I'd be claustrophobic, but that's well, that's me. The, 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 I think I could deal with it if you could, like, listen to music, you know? But it's like, it's yeah, like, sure. Yeah. There's no music allowed. There's no nothing. You just have to sit there in the darkness. Yeah, no, I can't be alone. I can't be alone with my thoughts. And occasionally somebody drops you food off, <laughs> which also is like, I'm sure that it's really good food, you know? Like I doubt yeah, I don't think you're like, getting like, like cliff bars. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're getting cafeteria food during the whatever it's called. But no, I, I think that, yeah, first and foremost, figure out what you're going to do with, with Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, at some point, I think this is the offseason, though, right? Like, 
if you're going to stay with Aaron Rodgers, then this is the offseason you trade Jordan Love. Like, you got to pick a side at a certain point. Well, yeah. now remember, they got they March 15th, I guess, or March-ish. Like, in, you know, the next month, they have to pick up his fifth-year option. Yeah. Which is crazy that he's, like, hasn't – I don't I mean, he hasn't had a meaningful start right. um, outside of, you know, injury or whatever. Um, you know. I mean, you basically – I mean, the whole idea was when you have these first-round rookies – you take advantage of them being on a rookie contract. They're going to go, if they go this route, they're going to go from paying quarterback $50 million a season to now fifth-year option. You, and that fifth-year option probably be like $19 million or something like that. I mean, I, yeah, it's not off. cheap. Yeah. And so um, that's going to, it's going to hurt you from addressing other needs on this roster, like wide receiver. Like this team, does, you know, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, great starts, but do you, Add other pieces yes, here. We're just yes, kind you of have to add other pieces. That is not enough. Like, sure. like exactly what we're saying with Detroit. Like you know, and that's even those are higher end guys in terms of talent. But all of a sudden you start getting hurt. Like you're not that deep at that spot. Like you need to start replenishing the pool. I, I could not agree with you more. I mean, like they, they that's something that they're going to have to focus on is uh, you know who's our quarterback, and once we get the, once you figure out who the quarterback is, who's the quarterback throwing to. Um, and maybe you can pull that off by, you know, by trading Rodgers and, and you get a receiver back or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, NFC West? NFC West. NFC West. Maybe we'll start on the NFC West. Let's go with um, let's go with Seattle. That okay. could be fun. Yeah, it could all be fun. Uh, Seattle's fine. They, I mean, they have to figure out the quarterback position. Gina Smith's a free agent. One would think that he wants to come back, but one would also think that he would, he would like to get paid. Andrew Lockett, I don't think they have a quarterback signed on the roster, actually. I think well, they have a quarterback true. under contract on the roster. Excuse me. I think that that's true. Yeah. yeah. No, Geno Smith's obviously the, the number one guy. It feels like out of all these quarterback situations, even like Jan- throw in Daniel Jones, throw in all these, this just feels like the one that's super clear cut. Like he's going to resign. It would be insane if he could go somewhere else. But, it, you know, isn't it always the one that you're least expecting? You got to keep your head on the swivel in the NFL. Who knows what happens? So, you know, yeah, as much as it seems like it's a slam dunk that Geno Smith will resign with Seattle and all of that. It, never, never say it's a hundred percent until we see the see the tweet where he's signing the contract and all that stuff. Well, I mean, it's also like, like there's going to be teams out there that need a quarterback. Excuse me, and you know, other teams have money, and the Seahawks may not want to say, "All right, Gino, here's thirty million dollars for three years." Like that's you know, per year. Like that is a lot of money for Gino Smith. Where you know, before you trade for. You know, you signed Gino as your backup. You trade Russell Wilson, and now Gino is your starter, and he's he's on his cheap, he's on his cheap backup contract. And you know, you sort of use the money ball approach that like, teams like to do with the you know with the rookie contract, right? Yeah. Where you're paying a quarterback a very low sum, and you're getting the most out of him. When you're paying Gino Smith thirty million dollars a year, it changes the calculus of what you're expecting from your quarterback. Yeah, and, and so to me. He does match up their timeline, though, a, a, a lot. Like, you know, I was talking about this with the Raiders. Like, if they go young at quarterback, it just doesn't feel like that matches their timeline with the rest of that roster with all those guys that they got last year. If you get Geno Smith, it does feel like that makes a little bit more sense when you have guys like DK Metcalf, Tyler Tyler Lockett. Like, it feels like you're starting to try to contend. In the, I mean, obviously, you are trying to contend in the right. NFC West. And you have teams that are either rebuilding or trying to revamp. Like you might be the most stable team in that division outside of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, LJ Collier and Bruce Irvin, both free agents. So it's a uh, you know spot where they probably need to look at, you know, they're gonna need to get some more defensive line help as well. That's for the sure. other thing they're gonna look at. But yeah, the quarterback is obviously the number one position for the Seahawks. Um, how about the San Francisco 49ers? Well, I mean, I don't, like, I don't, I mean, don't want to be the dead, don't want to be a dead horse here, but 
again. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not. It is quarterback, but it's not quarterback. Like it, it's it's, just, like, it's like the Packers. Like it's not so much. Yeah. Do you have to go find a quarterback? You have to figure out like is Trey Lance a good quarterback? Yes, and 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 whether or not Trey Lance is good, whether Brock Purdy is ready to start the season, like do you have to add somebody else? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is good is gone, but do you bring in somebody else to to kind of at least be the absolute you know break glass in case of emergency type of a guy? But I think one thing that is kind of sneaky under the radar here is wide receiver. Like mm. it's you know Brandon Ayuk is going to be one of these guys that is due for an extension. And mm-hmm. if all of a sudden things don't go well, then you're going to have to make a hard decision. I mean, this team pays Debo Samuel, pays uh, George Kittle, has to pay Nick Bosa at some point, which is a going to be a monster deal. Yes. You can only have so much money to go around. And, yeah, you might have rookie rookie quarterbacks in the fold right now, but that's still a lot of money to invest. And if you feel like you can kind of get that elsewhere, I think that wide receiver could increasingly become a position of need for them. It feels like Brandon Ayuk is the guy that everyone is like, everyone on like the Giants want. There's like, like hot to trade for, you know, like every, like every, oh, Giants fans, like, we're just going to get Ayuk. It's like, they're not going to give him up. Like, uh, he's going <laughs> to he, pick him up. Yeah. Like, we're just going to get Ayuk from the 49ers. Like, okay. Like, sure. That, that's not really how that works. Uh, he is also due for a uh, fifth year option coming up as well. So they have to make that decision to 49ers too. I, obviously, they're going to pick it up, I would think. Um, this all season. But yeah. I mean, you know, they need, uh, Oh, the back end too. Actually, they need to worry. They got a bunch of free agents on the back end, so they're gonna have to worry about that. But the quarterback position here for the 49ers, absolutely key. I I, I highly doubt Brock Purdy's ready to, for the start of the season. I doubt it. Yeah. So I mean, like, you know, is Trey Lance the guy? If you don't trust Trey Lance, you got to figure out something else. Like, you know, do we have a, do we have somebody we, we can start the season with that we trust? Because you're not gonna get Tom Brady now. Probably not gonna get uh, Aaron Rodgers. You're, so, you know. So is this the ceremonial Jacoby Brissett team for 2023? I feel like the Panthers are, but okay. But, but uh, he, he, the Niners could be too. He's not a ceremonial. He's, he's a ceremonial, like start six yeah, games, start the year to wait for the guy. I mean, I love him. He's great. Yeah, but. No, you're, you're probably not wrong. Uh, all right, moving along to the Los Angeles Rams, who have um, actually, like, you know, it was weird. They, they, you know, I think we all know that now, you know, the, the core is coming back, right? Matthew, St- it, it, you, you never know. It's like year to year with these guys, whether it's Matthew Stafford, uh, Sean McVay. Aaron Donald, whether they're going to all come back, they need some help on the front, on the on the uh, on the defensive in the defensive backfield, and really up front on defense. Like they have everything they need on offense, I think, between Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, and then of course Stafford. And you know, if you trust Cam Akers now, um, the question is, you know, can they can this offensive line improve, and can they get you know can they can they be good enough on defense with this core of stars that they like to roll with? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a huge question. And it's so tough to evaluate Los Angeles because it feels like we never really even saw them, right? Like, it feels like we saw them for the first, like, I don't know, eight weeks of the season, and then they started to really mail it in. But I think that, yeah, defensively, definitely bringing some additions. But I think the offensive line is a sneaky big one, too. No, the offensive I mean, line's the biggest issue. Like, I mean, like, not not too long ago, in week one, Matthew Stafford was sacked seven times. Like the, offensive, the offensive line was terrible. Like they, the offensive line has to get better if they want to get back to championship form. And, and so that to me is the biggest thing. RJ had a good point on the on the Super Bowl odds pod, uh, uh, pod last week. Where it's like this team did win the Super Bowl two years ago. You know, like I mean, it's like you know, it's like oh, the Rams stink. It's like well, they, you know, they did win the Super Bowl thirty five to one to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, if if they were able to flip the offensive line around and get better at that spot, they have Sean McVay. Like they have the coaching Stafford. If Stafford was hurt all last year, like I, I, I give him a pass for last year. Uh, I'll be very curious to see what kind of you know, sort of retooling they do this offseason. I don't think that it's a full blown rebuild for them. Like they really, with that core, you just can't like restart. 
No, no, I don't think so. It's it, it, you've spent so much. You've, you know, basically, you've, I mean, you've said FM picks, like we all know the, right. the whole mantra. The only thing that might be interesting is if you're just in such a financial mind, like we were talking about earlier in the podcast, is a guy like Jalen Ramsey expendable. And that's more of an impact to other teams throughout the league. Like, you know, yeah, obviously you would like to keep a guy of his caliber, especially if he's playing at, at his powers. Right. But at the same time, he yeah. might be an expendable piece. Yep. Uh, finally, Arizona Cardinals very quickly. They need Kyler Murray to get healthy. Jonathan Gannon, new head coach, recently hired. Um, they are they have some secondary free agents in the defensive side of the ball that they need to worry about. The offensive line, though, is a, it's a big problem, too. Three free agents on that offensive line. So that's, I mean, like, you don't know when Kyler's coming back. You know that Kyler's not going to be healthy right away. You need that offensive line to protect him. Yeah, maybe like Mike McGlinchey, if you're looking at, like, a veteran free agent or something like that, like, steal him from your division opponent. I mean, they were 27th offensive line in the NFL, according to Football Outsiders last year. They were horrible in terms of protecting the quarterback so that's a that's a clear and easy one now this is a team that we were talking about earlier too like what's going to happen with deandre hopkins how is that going to work itself out and who is going to be that team that ultimately lands him so that's another shoe that needs to drop in arizona yeah a lot of different a lot of moving parts with the arizona cardinals all right the uh with the first pick podcast is coming up now live on our youtube channel ryan wilson rick spielman check that out uh for Sully, <laughs> I'm Princeton. Thanks for uh, thanks for holding down the fort, Sully. My bad on that. Yeah, and, no uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you guys later. See ya. Bye.